this week on Political Research Digest, Genetic Attributions and Political Ideology. For the Niskanen Center, I'm Matt Grossman. Public debate on genetic research often assumes that conservatives will prefer genetic explanations for human differences, while liberals will point to environmental factors, perhaps exacerbating political divides on race. But new research finds that liberals are more likely to attribute many individual differences to genetics, with conservatives preferring explanations based on personal choice. I talked to Stephen Schneider of the University of Nebraska about his new Journal of Politics article with Kevin Smith and John Hibbing, Genetic Attributions, Sign of Intolerance or Acceptance. He finds that attributing differences to genetics is actually associated with liberalism, higher tolerance, and less racial animus. But perhaps conservatives can revert to genetic explanations when motivated. I also talked to Elizabeth Suhey about her recent article with Alexander Morinchese and Toby J. Ratney in the Journal of Race, Ethnicity, and Politics called Discord Over DNA, Ideological Responses to Scientific Communication About Genes and Race. They find that conservatives are not attracted to genetic explanations until they are exposed to messages about the egalitarian implications of genetic racial similarity. Public intellectuals have been fiercely debating genetic attributions for racial difference for decades. But Schneider sought to understand whether the basic assumptions about public opinion in this area are justified. What we were looking at here was trying to understand if people assign genetics as a cause for these individual traits and behaviors, whether um, one, are they going to act in a deterministic kind of way, that is, attribute all the traits or behaviors, all of uh, the causes for a trait or behavior to genetics, whether this relationship was one in which uh, conservatives were more likely to make genetic attributions. There's some conventional wisdom of dating back to Stephen Jay Gould, uh, Richard Lowenton, that argue that conservatives are more likely to make uh, genetic attributions to justify uh, social inequalities. And then whether these genetic Genetic attributions were associated with tolerance or intolerance. Um, so if you make a genetic attribution, are you more likely to be intolerant of people who have these uh, traits or behaviors? He found that the public is not made up of genetic determinists and does not break down ideologically as expected in public debate. And what we find uh, is one, uh, first, that uh, genetic attributions are actually, actually the public has a pretty nuanced view of genetic attributions. We didn't find any evidence that they were attributing all of the trader behavior to uh, genetics. So we don't think that we see genetic determinism, although it's kind of hard to put our finger on what exactly is genetic determinism when uh, these scholars talk about it. Um, rather, they were willing to, to make attributions to not only genetics, but also environmental factors and personal choice factors. We find actually that contradicts the, the conventional wisdom that liberals were more likely to make genetic attributions and that these people made genetic attributions is associated with more tolerance and not uh, possessing these uh, racially intolerant views. Their study asked people to allocate genetic, environmental and personal choice as sources of variation across 18 traits. If we're really interested in public perceptions, we think that we really need to add this personal choice. And there's a couple scholars who used uh, the, the three dimensions that we use in an interview setting and had found that there was quite a bit of difference when they added this uh, third category, personal choice. So what we did is we gave in study one, I believe it was 18 traits and behaviors to uh, a list of 18 traits and behaviors like uh, intelligence, obesity, mental illness. So we gave 18 of these traits and behaviors to the participants and we said divide up 100% however you feel among these three categories of cause. So taking obesity, for example, if you feel like obesity is 100% genetics, but if you feel like it's kind of a mixture of genetics, environment, and personal choice, you can divide it up where you have 33% in each of the categories as well. Most people think most traits are caused by several different factors, with environment the least important. 
We didn't have very many people at all, really, that attributed 100% to one category or the other. What we do find is that people mostly attribute to either genetics or personal choice, and less so to the environment across the board for most of these traits and behaviors. Schneider says the public is not fooled by genetic studies. The argument is that when you see behavioral genetic studies uh, presented in the media, it's normally this trait causes this behavior. But yet we're seeing that the, the public is very capable of understanding that, you know what, for these traits and behaviors, is it really a genetic plus environment or um, in many cases, genetic plus environment plus a personal choice or personal choice and genetic. People were especially likely to say that traits were personal choices when they involved beliefs like political ideology. I think there's something, a uh, reluctance to, to say that these physical traits are a personal choice, and rightfully so. Whereas uh, these beliefs, it may be a case, um, I'm just speculating here, where people believe that uh, things like religion, political ideology, criminal record, for example, so their personal beliefs, they don't want to think that this is uh, caused by uh, their environment or their genetics. They want to think that they reach these conclusions through their own kind of rational decision-making. Compared to heritability estimates from twin studies, people mostly underestimated genetic factors. People actually overestimated for height, mental disability, and handedness. But for the rest of them, there were actually the rest of the traits and behaviors, um, the what, thir- uh, 12 others, they're actually low. So there's some reluctance to make attributions to genetics. For the most part, people who attributed more of a trait to genetics were more tolerant of those with it. We selected five traits for further uh, analysis and um, to see whether uh, making genetic attributions to these traits or behaviors, five traits or behavior, uh, leads to uh, the people to be more tolerant or intolerant. So the, in the first study, when we just look at tolerance towards the five traits and behaviors, we use a social distancing scale. So uh, it was four questions. Uh, on the top end, it was, would you allow this individual to come into your country, which we actually saw quite a bit of variance on, um, especially with obesity which may be kind of alarming. Uh, then uh, would you work closely with them? Would you be a personal friend with them? And then finally, would you allow them to marry into your country? So it's a social distancing measure of tolerance. And what we find is when people make genetic attributions, overwhelmingly for four out of the five traits, people were more likely to be tolerant of the individuals, with the one exception being uh, people with uh, opposite ideology, so political ideology being the, the one trait where you make a genetic attribution for that, and see a, a negative relationship with politics. But Elizabeth Suhey's work complicates the story a bit by asking specifically about genetic explanations for racial difference in the context of relevant media stories. We're public opinion scholars. And so for the most part, we are focusing on public beliefs and we don't delve into, you know, the, the truth of what scientists have to say on these matters. Uh, we're interested in here in how white Americans think about racial inequality And in particular, we're interested in whether white conservatives and white liberals differ in how they think about racial inequality. And what we do is we draw on two studies in this article. One's a survey, one's an experiment. And we find very similar patterns across the studies. First, we find that on balance, white conservatives are somewhat more likely than white liberals to say that differences between blacks and whites are due to genetics. Now, other researchers have actually found that, so we replicate them. Um, Our study offers something new in that we find that this association differs according to whether people had been exposed to information on this topic. So when they are exposed to information on the topic of genes and race, and in this case, the information is along the lines of recent scientific discoveries 
that suggests that racial categories, traditional racial categories, actually are not genetically based. White conservatives and white liberals appear to react to the information differently, engaging in motivated reasoning. Particularly what happens is that conservatives are more likely to say genetics influence racial differences and liberals are less likely to say genetics influence racial differences when they're exposed to the information that I mentioned. Both of their studies found that conservatives and liberals engage in motivated reasoning, attributing genetic influence when it suits their ideological aims. And across both of our studies, survey and experimental, we find that exposure to that type of message about the lack of importance of genes to race differences led white conservatives to actually increase their belief that genetic differences drive racial differences, whereas white liberals decrease their belief that genes cause racial differences. So basically what we believe we're observing is motivated reasoning. Uh, white conservatives and white liberals come to this information with different levels of racial progressivism, with liberals being more likely to have a desire to actively work toward a society where blacks and whites are on more equal footing in terms of social status and various life outcomes. Uh, so when white individuals are exposed to these scientific messages that clearly are relevant to political debates about race, liberals tended to embrace what they saw as egalitarian racial science and conservatives tended to reject that same science. They took advantage of a changing media narrative around the Human Genome Project. It's a big shift going from the 90s into what some people call the aughts, and particularly around the, hum the Human Genome Project. With this big splash in 2001, that scientists had discovered that there was much more genetic variation within traditional racial categories, so black, white, Asian, etc., then there was genetic variation between racial categories. And so this was really a rebuttal to bell curve type arguments that just genetically, there didn't seem to be any basis for the notion that between group genetic differences were driving the kinds of life outcome differences that we were seeing. But that does not mean the public actually heard about these scientific findings. The public is never as aware of scientific developments as many scholars think they are. So there's going to be, I think, a fair amount of variation across the public in terms of whether they were aware that the Human Genome Project had this big finding. Overall, Suhei found that the public is not polarizing along the same lines as scholars and media pundits. There has been a conventional wisdom that political divides around nature and nurture among scientists and journalists that those divides are equally present in the public. And so actually, this is some of the conventional wisdom that we're pushing against in this article. And I know others are, are uh, doing that as well right now. There was a nature-nurture debate among academics stretching back decades. It overlapped, apparently, with liberalism, conservatism. And it doesn't, that debate does not emerge in the same way in the general public. For those who have not been attentive to the science, liberals and conservatives haven't developed different views. If you look at people who haven't been exposed to these media messages, and that's going to be a fair amount of people. Not everybody is following the news. Not everybody is following science reporting in the news. If you look at those individuals, there are actually no differences between liberals and conservatives in terms of whether or not they believe genes have anything to do with real or perceived racial differences. In the survey, people were asked about genetic explanations for common group stereotypes. Survey participants were asked about commonly perceived differences between blacks and whites, such as that black Americans are not as hardworking as white Americans. So these are stereotypes, they're perceived differences. Some people would call that prejudice, 
And so what we were doing is putting that out there and then asking people to explain that perceived difference. And what we look at in this particular article is the extent to which people say that difference is due to genetic differences between blacks and whites, as opposed to something else such as environmental differences or different choices people make in life. But they also conducted an experiment where people could be directly exposed to relevant research. A survey gives us a kind of, you know, real world validity, external validity, as scholars say, and the experiment gives us internal validity, meaning we're able to expose people to a treatment that looks very much like the news coverage around the Human Genome Project's finding back in 2001. We can expose them to that treatment and then we can observe what happens uh, relative to a control group. They created liberal conservative polarization by exposing people to news refuting a genetic basis for racial categories. We use an experimental treatment that was based on actually a famous New York Times article by science writer Natalie Engier about the Human Genome Project's findings on greater genetic variation within than between races. And we also had a control group. The control group didn't read anything. And participants were then asked a series of questions about genes and race, similar to the survey. But this time, the questions were a little different. They were asked the extent to which they believe genes drive real observable racial differences. So differences in income, as well as in incarceration rates between blacks and whites. And when we analyzed the data, we found an almost identical pattern. In the control group, white conservatives and liberals actually did not differ in whether they thought genes caused these different racial outcomes. However, in the treatment group, so in other words, among those who read about the Human Genome Project's conclusions, a big difference emerged between conservatives and liberals, again, with conservatives less likely to embrace those findings and liberals more likely to, which meant basically that conservatives were emphasizing genes and race, and liberals were de-emphasizing them. Suhei says people's explanations for group difference could change their views, but most evidence points to reverse causality. They give the explanations that match their prior political views. I can tell you that there is some evidence that different kinds of attributional stories that people may be exposed to or learn, that those do sometimes change people's policy opinions. But my read of the literature and my own research suggests that the relationship is more, more often the reverse, which is that people start with their policy views, their ideological biases, maybe their partisanship, maybe some social prejudices, and that those are more likely to affect their causal narratives for why people are different, why some, you know, get more in life than others, that there's more likely to be that kind of reverse causation. And certainly there's much more of that than I think the conventional wisdom. Schneider also agrees that people may be choosing explanations to fit their political preferences. People are looking at the traits and having some sort of perception about them and then going with uh, the attribution afterwards. So does tolerance drive the attribution, uh, the, the causal attribution that people make? And I, I think that's a, a fair assumption, um, especially with uh, what we see here as well as what we see in some of the other literature. And Suhei agrees that a three-part choice between genetics, environment, and free will given in Schneider's study may show that conservatives are mainly against any structural explanation. There is a tradition of causal attribution researchers thinking about nature, nurture, and choice, uh, even though most academics don't, don't add on that choice element. And I'm finding some of this in my own 
data. And in fact, the difference between liberals and conservatives on that choice dimension, I mentioned earlier that liberals and conservatives differ a lot on whether they think discrimination is a cause of different social outcomes. And the other big one is really this choice element. In a recent acrimonious debate, Ezra Klein and Sam Harris revived the conflict over Charles Murray's controversial views, with Klein worried that conservatives use genetic explanations to avoid responsibility for social action to correct inequality. Schneider says his study suggests that concern may be overblown. Take a look at the, the means for the attributions that we see uh, when we use these three categories. It seems like they're confusing genetic explanations or genetic predispositions with genetic determinism. And the public doesn't appear to be willing to, to be deterministic, to assign 100% of the cause for a trait, including things like height to genetics, which makes them makes me hope, I guess, that the, they understand that there's a gene-by-environment interaction here going, going on. And so whenever we have the gene-by-environment interaction, I think there's still hope that we can influence the environment through uh, policies reduced in inequality um, among these. So... I'm a little bit less worried, I guess, about using genetic explanations based on these data because they're also individuals we're also willing to attribute to environment um, and personal choice as well. Suhey's research also suggests that conservative preferences don't stem from their genetic views. But she does understand Klein's concern, given the long history of genetic explanations used to justify discrimination. History certainly gives us lots of reason to be concerned, right? So these kinds of explanations for racial differences justified slavery. Um, these kinds of uh, genetic stories justified the Holocaust. They justified restrictive immigration policy in the U.S. They justified an awful lot of eugenics in the U.S. that most people these days have forgotten about. So history is, is really littered with examples of these kinds of explanations uh, causing a lot of harm. Where do we go from here? Schneider is studying how the public views gender differences, finding that conservatives may prefer genetic explanations more in that area. There's a, a pilot study that just ran with another graduate student here, Clarice Warren, in which we use a very similar setup here, and we look at gender stereotypes. So we asked people to make uh, whether there was a difference between men and women on a host of, of stereotypes, things like aggression, physical fitness, emotional stability, conscientiousness, and it's interesting to find that uh, when people said there is a difference, and then we said, okay, divide the, the difference, what causes the difference? We found that conservatives across the board were making genetic attributions for these differences, and then liberals were sticking to environment, and then conservatives for personal choice. And I think there's some policy implications there for, as well that's driving the relationship. And Suhey wants to find out whether liberals and conservatives would have different explanations if a group tied to conservatives was the one disadvantaged. If we were to flip around whose lower incomes we're talking about, whether those causal attributions would stay the same. So for example, if we asked ordinary folks about, you know, why rural Americans, for example, have lower incomes than people who live in cities, would we still see, you know, people on the right being kind of hard on individuals, right? And would we still see liberals being so sympathetic toward those individuals, or would those causal explanations change depending on, you know, what kind of inequality we're talking about? There's a lot more to learn. Political Research Digest is available bi-weekly from the Niskanen Center and on iTunes. I'm your host, Matt Grossman. Thanks to Stephen Schneider and Elizabeth Suhey for joining me. 
Join us next time to find out whether the public is losing faith in democracy and endorsing strongmen, and whether the center or the right is most responsible. 